On this All Souls Day, the title of my homily is Three Common Errors Found in Funeral Homilies. Now you might say, Father Ray, why are you sharing this this morning with us? We are lay people. We don't write funeral homilies. We don't give funeral homilies. You should be giving this talk to members of the clergy. Good point. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, my brothers and sisters, for better or for worse, you have to listen to funeral homilies from those of us who do prepare them. And when you listen, as Catholic laypeople, you have the right to hear the truth the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Which, unfortunately, is not what you always hear at funerals. Most priests and deacons are well-intentioned when they preach, to be sure. But, unfortunately, what they say at funeral masses is not always in accord with official Catholic Church teaching. And believe it or not, this can have devastating consequences for you and for your deceased loved ones, as I hope to make clear in a few moments. Incidentally, this is not an exhaustive list that I'm going to share with you today. This is not a complete list of errors. Today I'm focusing on what I would call the big three the three most common and most serious errors that have been made at funeral liturgies where I've been in attendance. Remember, I not only preach a lot of funeral homilies, I also hear a lot of them. Homilies that are given by other priests and sometimes by deacons. That normally happens when I'm asked to concelebrate a funeral mass at another parish. So here they are, the big three. Serious error number one, canonizing the deceased, canonizing the person who died. Have you ever heard a priest say something like this during a funeral mass? We know that John is in heaven right now, rejoicing with Jesus. We know that Nancy is now with the Lord and with all her relatives and friends who died before her. Things like that are said at funeral masses all the time. And they are wrong. The truth is, we do not know that John or Nancy or anyone else is in heaven at this precise moment unless they have been canonized by the church. We can hope that they're in heaven, yes, and we should. But hope and knowledge are two different things. My mother was one of the holiest people I have ever encountered in my life. But during her funeral liturgy, I did not say to the congregation, I know my mom's in heaven. 
I didn't say that because I didn't know that. I did speak of the very confident hope I had that she was in the kingdom already or that she would be there very soon, but I did not canonize her. I chose my words carefully. Which brings us to the second serious and very common error that you find in funeral homilies. A failure to mention purgatory. Think of the funeral homilies you have heard in your life. At how many was purgatory mentioned? Usually this error follows directly from error number one which should be obvious because if a person is already in heaven, purgatory becomes irrelevant. Now here's the question that I have for priests who ignore purgatory and who canonize their deceased parishioners at funerals. The question I have for them is, Father, why do you celebrate funeral masses? We do not celebrate masses for people who are already in heaven. Have you noticed that? There is never a mass intention for St. Peter. Today it's for Patricia Aldrich. You will never see in our bulletin a mass for St. Paul, for St. Catherine of Siena. They don't need masses offered for them. They're already in heaven. We have masses in honor of saints on their feast days and such but not for them. We celebrate Masses and we offer prayers for those who are in purgatory or who might be in purgatory on their way to heaven. And here's where the negative consequences can come, both for us and for our deceased loved ones. If we are told at the funeral that our relative or friend is already in the kingdom. And if we believe it, that can disrupt the natural grieving process within us. A process which is healthy and necessary. Ask any psychologist. Grieving is very important. But if we think they're already in heaven, we can end up feeling guilty about being sad. Which is not good. We all need to grieve in the face of death. Even Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the second person of the Blessed Trinity who became man, wept at the death of his friend Lazarus. So it's okay, it's good, it's healthy. But even worse, we might actually cheat our loved one out of the prayers that they need in order to have a speedy passage through purgatory. Do you realize that? If we think they're already in heaven. In other words, we might inadvertently cause our loved one more suffering since we will neglect to pray for them. We will neglect to have masses offered for the repose of their soul, both of which would bring them through purgatory and into heaven much more quickly. Which brings us to the third serious error that you find in funeral homilies. 
A true homily is not given. Rather, a eulogy is given by the priest in its place. You know what I'm talking about, I'm sure. The priest gives a talk about how great the deceased person was, and this becomes the focus of all that's said. If Jesus Christ gets mentioned at all, sometimes he does, but sometimes he doesn't, but if he does get mentioned by the priest or deacon, it's usually to say that Jesus also thought that this was a great person and welcomed him or her right into heaven at the moment of his or her death. Among other things, my brothers and sisters, this is very bad theology. As any first-year theology student could tell you, we do not earn heaven by being great guys and gals. We do not earn eternal life by doing good works or by being nice. Although we should do good works and we should try to be nice. I, believe it or not, do try to be nice. <laughs> I know I sometimes fail, but that's why we have confession. But that is not what gets us through the pearly gates. The only reason that heaven is possible for any of us is because of what Jesus Christ did through his passion, death, and resurrection. That idea, that foundational gospel truth is what needs to be at the center of every funeral homily, since it's the necessary precondition for our hope in eternal life. Of course, it's also true that heaven is not automatic. A person has got to be united to Jesus through baptism and faith and charity in order to receive the eternal blessings Jesus won for them on Good Friday and Easter Sunday. So obviously the details of a person's life, of the deceased person's life, do matter. Specifically the faith they exhibited and the acts of charity they performed, since those give us a more confident hope that the deceased person did die in the state of grace. So it's certainly fitting that some of these details be mentioned in the funeral homily. If you've heard my funeral homilies, you know I do that all the time. I always try to make it very personal. But the ultimate focus should be on Jesus Christ and his saving work, since without his sacrifice, all the good deeds on planet Earth would not be enough to get a person into the kingdom. So there you have them, the three big errors found in funeral homilies, canonizing the deceased, failing to mention purgatory, and giving a eulogy instead of a homily. If you encounter one or more of these errors at a funeral in the future, and unfortunately, you probably will, my suggestion is for you to write a letter, a nice letter, of course, a respectful letter to the priest or the deacon who delivered the message. Depending on what was actually said, please tell him that you'd appreciate it if, number one, he didn't canonize people. That's the role of the church. 
Tell him you'd appreciate it if, number two, he spoke at least a little bit about purgatory and encouraged the congregation to pray for their deceased loved one. And three, tell him that you'd appreciate it in the future if he gave a homily and not a eulogy. A homily built around the truth that Jesus Christ suffered, died, and rose again to conquer sin and make heaven possible for everybody. Now, I warn you, he might not appreciate your criticism. <laughs> That's true, we priests, we deacons are human. But on the other hand, you might just motivate him to think about taking a slightly different approach when he preaches at funerals from now on. And you know what? That will help a lot of people. Both the dead and the living. The dead will be helped because they will receive the benefit of more prayers and more masses. And the living will receive the wonderful benefit of hearing much better homilies from this particular priest or deacon.